Welcome back into The Voice of Reason right here on the Hoosier Media Network. Thanks for hanging out with us today as we move through the month of April already. It's uh, blowing, blowing by way too fast. Super excited to have this guy on as we do a monthly chat with him coming from Washington, D.C., although he is back in the district right now from the 5th Congressional District from the great state of Ohio. Super happy to have back on the program Congressman Bob Ladder with us here. Congressman, how are you, my friend? Excellent. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Always good to talk to you. Let's talk with, starting off with the headlines that we saw yesterday, national inflation rates hit the average of 8.5% across the nation. The Biden administration is trying to say that it's due to the Russia war and that it's Putin. He's even left out, apparently, the supply chain issues and COVID-19. It's only Putin that's causing 8.5% inflation here in the U.S. <laughs> Congressman, is that accurate? Well, you know, that's what it likes the American people to, uh, to believe, but that's absolutely not accurate because we all know this, you know, when the Democrats last year on their own, that was one Republican vote passed that quote unquote COVID relief bill of almost two trillion dollars and they didn't pay for it. And, uh, you know, everything that they do now is they just want to spend more money and they don't have any way to not paying for it. Yeah. So, you know, we're looking at, uh, the whole issue right there of government spending and American people uh, are pretty smart and they know it's caused by too much government spending. And then when you look at, uh, you know, again, what this president did prior to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, that he was killing North American energy independence that we had. And uh, now, uh, you know, we see gas prices, you know, someplace in the country, well over $6 a gallon. And, uh, you know, we could take care of it by doing what? Drilling and exploring right here in the good old United States and also, uh, you know, getting the Keystone XL pipeline of 830,000 barrels back online. But, you know, what's the president's answer to that? Well, let's tap into the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, trying to pull a million barrels out a day. But, you know, if you look at just the Keystone, we brought 830,000 barrels in. And at some point in time, we got to replace that oil because... What the president considers an emergency that he has caused, that, no, it's not an emergency to be pulling it out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. If we got to put that back in there, it's going to cost us more. Yeah, is that actually going to lower gas prices at all? I mean, we use 22 to 24 million barrels of oil a day, 40% of that going to the auto industry for cars and trucks uh, across the nation. But if we're using 22 to 24 million barrels a day and we pull 1 million out a day for the next six months, what exactly is that supposed to do to lower gas prices when it seems like the only thing we're doing is depleting our reserves for when we actually have an emergency? Well, you're absolutely correct. It really comes down just to pennies, and that's it. And, you know, oil this morning, one of the first things I always do is check. It was well over $101 a barrel. But let me tell you, if American people will remember, one of the things they never saw when Republicans controlled the House of Representatives and when Donald Trump was in the White House with an energy policy, that you never heard the word OPEC mentioned. Why? Because OPEC was shaken in their boots because the United States is out there uh, producing for ourselves and reducing uh, that in the, you know that independence that we had for so many years on them, and so we kept our dollars at home. Now, what the president wants to do is tell those countries that don't really like us to increase oil production to try to get oil prices down here, and they're not listening to the guy. 
Yeah, it's really frustrating, and I, I don't know what to do other than continue to fight to try and produce oil here domestically so we can become energy independent again, because the only other options, like you said, are to go to OPEC and try and beg for oil, is trying to buy more from Saudi Arabia. Neither one of those are going to help us in the long run with trying to lower gas prices. It's just being more dependent on somebody else. Well, you know, his other answer is the Democrats, if you listen to the uh, Secretary of Energy, uh, you know, their answer is, well, we should all drive an electric car. Well, here's I serve on the Energy and Commerce Committee. I, I say this about anything. Let the American public decide what they want to drive. Hey, if you want to drive an electric car, good for you. But yeah. if you want to drive a fossil fuel, you know, that's what you want to drive. But a lot of people don't have the money to purchase an electric vehicle. And, you know, when you look at some of these cars going dollars $90,000, that's not a lot of Americans' price range. And uh, plus, if you have to drive long distances at one time, uh, you know, you might have to take 30, 40, 50 minutes to get a charge again. And the question is, we're going to charge up. And the other thing is that the administration doesn't like to point out, we're going to get the rare earth minerals to make the batteries. China, 85 to 90 percent. All rare earth minerals come from where? China. And uh, all of a sudden, you're going to be dependent on them. And if you become dependent on them, what do you have, what's going to happen in the future there when you need to produce a battery for, for your vehicle? Yeah, it's frustrating that we create our own problems by being so reliant on so many other people. For example, I mean, now we're talking about a food shortage at the same time with the inflation rates, with the shortage in gas, with the gas prices going up. We're seeing the food shortage now because we aren't seeing production coming from the Ukraine, which Ukraine is a massive producer of grains, of corn, wheat, and soybeans across the globe and exports there. We're not trading with China anymore, and they're a major producer as well. Uh, We'd seen and heard reports of talking about a food shortage redistribution of food in some parts of the world to where they're taking it from the hungry and giving it to the starving. Are we concerned about what's going to happen with food here in the U.S.? And can we produce enough to feed our own here in the country? Well, you know, that's, you have an excellent point because, again, you know, I have a, I have a very, really, really unique distance to that. You know, I have 86,000 manufacturing jobs, but I also represent the largest uh, uh, ag income-producing district in the state of Ohio. And so when you look at what we have to produce out there for Americans, but, but again, our farmers are so efficient because less than 2% of Americans are farmers that not only can we feed ourselves, but we can export. And that helps our overall trade deficits that we run. But farmers this year are going to face some really tough things. Number one, just where a lot of your fertilizer chemicals come from, Russia. And, and the next part of it is, is that what do farmers have to use when they're out in the fields? Fuel. So, not, and then with the Democrats, we're going to kill uh, our fossil fuels from oil and natural gas. We, we make a lot of products out of those that also are made to go onto farmers' fields. So the cost of production this year for American farmers is going to be astronomical. Yeah. That's it's going to be astronomical for the uh, like you said the cost inputs into the farm the fertilizer that's going to cause an issue with the price of the grain when they actually try to sell it to the co-ops also with the shortage amount there I mean are we seeing food potentially double in price here in the country or are we going to see just a shortage on the shelves uh, by later this year? Well, I'm worrying people right now that we're going to see uh, really high prices. People don't think they're high now; they're going to go up because hmm. when you mentioned about Ukraine. You know, when you think about that country and their wheat corn exports around the world, they're in the top three or four 
in the world. That's why they're called the breadbasket of Europe. Yeah. If there's a war going on, when planning season starts, and unfortunately there is a war going on right now, that it's going to be very difficult for their farmers to get out. And so you're going to see a drastic reduction in what they can produce. And the other question is, how are they going to get their crops to market? Because the, you know, the Russians uh, invading their southern coast uh, on the Black Sea, how are they going to get their crops out? So yeah. they're, they're going to be blockaded. So, I mean, this is, this, we're talking about because of because of the Russians, we could see a massive uh, food shortage across the globe because of you know this guy's invasion. Uh, that uh, you know is this after, you know is a war crime what this guy's done. Yeah, it's very scary. We're talking with Congressman Bob Latta, the 5th Congressional District of the state of Ohio. Let's talk about Russia and Ukraine for a second and see and, and get the latest from that, from what you've heard. Over the last week or so, we've heard headlines that Russia, Russian troops are starting to pull away from Kiev and the capital. They're starting to slowly withdraw in some areas. Do you think that, that Putin's starting to retract because of the amount of resources that he's lost? Or is he regrouping and are we going to see another big push into, into uh, Ukraine, do you think? Well, pretty much, uh, you know, everything we've heard is that they're regrouping again in the East to do another push. And so what we need to make sure is that we've got the equipment to the Ukrainians so they can keep fighting. And, you know, I'm not sure why the president doesn't want to send, send them the big 29s. There's only, you know, a few dozen of these uh, or a couple of dozen of these aircraft, but they can put them to good use. They know how to fly them. Uh, you know, it, he's vacillated so long on an air defense, air defense system for him. There's a system called the S-300, which is a, more of an Eastern European, the old Eastern Bloc uh, system that the Ukrainians know how to use. So finally, Slovakia is going to be sending them theirs. And, and finally, the United States, we're going to backfill to protect Slovakia with what we thought was our Patriots air defense system. But we, we've got to do everything we can. There, there, you know, there, there's tanks uh, setting in, in depots around Europe, uh, old Russian tanks that from T-72s, maybe the T-64s and things like that. Anything, anything that these people can use, we got to get it as soon as sooner the better. Yeah, the sooner the better. It, it, could this potentially turn into a World War III? We heard rumors that they're also trying to position some missiles up near the Finland area, which is concerning. I mean, he says that he's threatened by NATO. NATO is really a defense mechanism for Europe, so th being threatened by them really doesn't make any sense. It sounds like he's kind of lost his mind here, and he's on a war rampage, and I'm concerned about it bleeding over into other nations. Well, if you, you, know, you look at a couple of countries, you have Finland, and he has Sweden that are not part of NATO. But now they're saying they want to become NATO, and NATO says they'd be welcome. Yeah. And we all know that it was Stalin that invaded uh, Finland before uh, in, in the early parts of World War II. And the Finns fought back bravely against that Russian onslaught, so they're just finally overrun. But yeah. we've got to make sure that, you know, that Putin understands that what he's done is not going to have have a not only severe consequences, but lasting consequences. Because, again, we've got to keep the, the the sanctions up there. We've got to make sure that, you know, it took the president forever to listen to the American people say we're not going to import, you know, like we did last year, 245 billion barrels of Russian oil yep. that produced $17 billion. Uh, so we've got to make sure that, that all of these things end and that Putin knows that uh, 
he's going to become uh, kind of like the uh, the odd man out in the world that uh, only the communist Chinese, maybe Belarus, are going to be his friends. Wow, how scary. It, it is very scary. What are we doing here on the home front? Obviously, we've put some sanctions on Russia. It did take a while for the Biden administration to stop importing oil from Russia, and they tried to really balk at that and fight against it. Uh, then we put these sanctions on the banking system, but yet the banking system sanctions don't even take effect for another two months, which I find fascinating because the war could be over by then, and until then, they still have access to them. And then the latest I heard was that we put sanctions on Putin's daughters, which again, make no sense to me. Why are we not like targeting uh, right at the heart of what's going to hit Putin the hardest here with these sanctions instead of just kind of beating around the bush? It seems like uh, it seems like Biden wants to look tough, but really doesn't want to do a whole lot against Putin right now. Well, unfortunately, the president takes, you know, he vacillates. If you remember about a couple of days into the invasion, he said after he put on some light sanctions, he said, oh, in a month, we're going to reevaluate a month. You know, he, they should have had the stuff lined up second, not front, to figure out what they wanted to do. And again, it sends a bad message out there to Putin. And again, you know, Putin looked at what's happened. Uh, you know, he thought that NATO would uh, come to each other's defense. Uh, if, of course, Ukraine is not a NATO uh, ally, but, uh, you know, NATO's been doing everything they can to get uh, equipment to them. And so, you know, the number one thing is, okay, number one, we've got to get them the military equipment they need. Number two, we just got to keep the pressure on so this guy understands that he's not going to get away with this and that the world is going to say, you know, we're not going to uh, let this dictator do what he's doing. And uh, because, again, uh, who's next uh, over in Europe? And so this is why it's important that we act. But then again, you know, they, you know, it all comes back to the United States has to be strong just not militarily, but economically. But when you see what the Democrats have done, and the president, you know, increasing you know eight and a half percent inflation, uh, hurting every American, and then at the same time, one of those numbers I look at every morning is uh, what the ten-year Treasury note is, and that is now up to over two point seven five percent. So as we see the Fed starting to increase uh, all of the interest rates over the next year, that the Americans are going to be paying more. It's going to be harder for people to buy that new house, to buy that car. And so all of these things are going to be hitting, and Americans are going to say, what happened? And it's going to be right back at the president. Exactly. We're talking with Congressman Bob Ladder from the 5th District of Ohio. Now, you did mention some of the stuff you guys are working on, the No Russia Act. What exactly does that entail, and uh, what would that do for uh, for the U.S. and Russian relations? Well, you know, again, our supply chain, especially with COVID, after COVID hit, we all realized there's something wrong with our, you know, our supply chains are out of whack. But at the same time, you have to look where you're getting your supply chain from. And as I mentioned, uh, you know, first that, uh, you know, rare earth minerals coming from China, it takes 10 years to open up a new mine in this country to get rare earth minerals. Uh, the second part is that, you know, we want to make sure there are energy and, you know, North American independence. But also, I'm a firm believer that you have to have an all-of-the-above energy strategy. A nuclear plays into that. You know, Democrats will talk about a carbon-free energy. That's nuclear. But it can't be reliant on Russia for our uh, uranium. So we need to make sure that we're getting our, you know, have our uranium here. We're enriching it here to take care of ourselves. Because, again... Uh, everything that this administration does is counterproductive 
what we should be doing to protect ourselves in this country. And that, again, is when somebody knows that they can't attack you uh, on a uh, financial manner uh, or when it comes to your economy, the energy plays such a big part of it. We have to make sure that we're safe here. Last question before we let you go. I know you're a busy guy, but talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C. Obviously, you're back in the district now, but as you guys continue to work uh, with uh, the new COVID, the new variant that's out there that's scaring a lot of people, are you guys opening back up? Are things getting somewhat back to normal? Because apparently Nancy Pelosi can get uh, tested positive with COVID and kiss Joe Biden, and he's not going to get the virus, but we still need to wear masks in some parts of the country. <laughs> well, uh, I tell you, if you look at what the speaker's done, uh, we... We have a, an attending physician that's in charge of the, the medical on the Hill. He, he advises the House and the Senate. How there's a dividing line in the uh, Capitol Rotunda that on the Senate side, they didn't have all the mandates that we had. And then plus, uh, where the Speaker shut down the House for tours, and making it almost impossible for anybody to get in our office building, the Senate was open business. Wow. And so the House is slowly opening up. We have some uh, slow uh, tours reopening, but very limited. It's time for our house to reopen because this is the America's house that they need to get back in and see their their capital. And also, it keeps a good shining light on us. Make sure that we're doing our jobs, doing our right. Amen to that. It is a slow, uh, frustrating process for you guys, and I know you're banging your head against the wall many times with the Democrats still in charge, but uh, midterms are right around the corner, and I am uh, optimistic about what's going to happen coming up this fall. So we appreciate what you guys do. It's Congressman Bob Ladder from the 5th District of Ohio. Keep up the fight, my friend. We love chatting with you. Have a great week. Let's talk with you again here real soon. You have a great day, too. Thank you very much.